breaking news in the fight against the coronavirus. The federal government approving the nation's first COVID-19 vaccination. The FDA advisory committee has just voted to recommend emergency use authorization for the Pfizer vaccine. Finally, there is light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to go on offense against this virus. And that is exciting. Science is coming through here. That being said, the task of vaccinating 300 plus million people in the United States is a daunting one. The FDA approved the first vaccine for coronavirus in December. A month before that, back in November, then-President Donald Trump made this prediction. As soon as April, the vaccine will be available to the entire general population. We now know that's looking more and more unlikely. As a matter of fact, last week, President Joe Biden said this. But the vaccine rollout in the United States has been a dismal failure thus far. The question is, why? Like so many things related to COVID, the answer is complicated. But today we're going to dig into one challenge you may not have heard too much about, data, and how the struggle to easily report and share that data may be harming the country's vaccine efforts. That's today on Brainstorm, the podcast about how tech is reshaping our world. Hi, everyone. I'm Michal Avram. And I'm Brian O'Keefe. When we were debating what we wanted to talk about this week, we pretty quickly landed on the topic of vaccine distribution. It's been a miracle how quickly pharmaceutical companies have developed vaccines for COVID-19. But the big challenge now is getting those vaccines out to the public. And we're in a race against time because the virus is only getting more contagious. What we didn't immediately know is what the tech angle was here. Right. So many of the challenges and hurdles and problems seem to be non-tech related, but there's always a tech angle. That's right, Michal. And when we started talking to people, we heard a common thread. Tarek Tomes is the chief information officer of the state of Minnesota and the commissioner of Minnesota IT Services. I think one of the big things that certainly jumps out to me is how unprepared as a country we were and really you know, still are and the need to make sure that we invest in the infrastructure related to technology that moves around health information. We really need to think about all the information that's exchanged from a federal level to a state level to healthcare providers and you know how you get that line of sight into situational awareness and, and really ramp up that investment to have much higher expectations of having more immediate awareness. I think if that existed, you know, likely everyone would have fared better as it relates to, to COVID-19, if, if we had ready access to whether it's you know mobile applications or an exchange of records that let you know that someone in a county you know has a, uh, an outbreak or, or a healthcare provider has seen someone that you know has tested positive, all of that took a long time to, to ramp up. And, and I think the investment in digital services and, and just making sure that that infrastructure is prepared for the next time is, is really, really crucial. Dr. Rebecca Weintraub is a physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital and an assistant professor at Harvard. She spent well over a decade essentially researching how best to distribute vaccines. She was even more to the point than the commissioner. Our state and local officials are beleaguered. Their infrastructure, the soft infrastructure they need, is minimal and has not been upgraded for decades. And then there's the person I turn to for all things COVID-19, our colleague and health reporter, Sai Mukherjee. I think the problem is communication. 
And while that doesn't sound like a technological issue, it is because in order for data to have actual value, you have to have the capacity to share that data and talk to each other. Just take a minute to think about the vast amounts of data and the different types of data that are driving so many life and death decisions right now. Decisions about closing schools or restaurants, about how many people are sick and who should get the vaccine, how many doses of vaccines have been sent out. The list goes on and on. That's so right, Michal. And we have over 400,000 people dead from this virus in our country already. So it's really essential that we figure this out. When it comes to actually distributing the vaccine itself, there's so many players involved. The drug makers, the federal government, state governments, healthcare providers. Commissioner Tomes did a nice job laying out that part of the challenge. It is a unbelievable, uh, unbelievably intense data exchange exercise that crosses thousands of organizations. You know, a private sector organization like a Target uh, during the holiday shopping season, if you will, you know, distributes inventory across stores and tracks immediately and, and is able to refill shelves, but it's all one organization. We're essentially doing that just-in-time inventory across thousands of organizations, you know, with uh, a number of different suppliers as we continue to add uh, new vaccines. And I don't think you can do this successfully in the time that people expect without an unbelievably high level of data, uh, sophistication and, and technology and innovation to underlie. Yeah, and this also came up in my conversation with Sai. So a lot of the hurdles is that this is a very ad hoc process and it requires coordination amongst so many different entities both in the private sphere and in the public sphere. Different states, different locales are gonna have different needs. And you're gonna to have to have the states working with the federal government, the federal government working with drug distributors like McKesson, local health systems working with health IT vendors, with some of the giants such as Epic or Cerner. And these people all have to be in constant communication with each other and you're having to essentially create new systems of centralized databases so that people have the correct information so we know how to actually improve the vaccine rollout. So you mentioned having the right information. Obviously, the, the big part of the issue here that you're talking about is that these systems don't talk to each other, so they're not really getting any coordinated information. But what is the right information? What data, what's the type of data that all of these different entities need in order to have a smoother vaccine rollout? Right. So some of the most important data is just resource allocation data, just determining how many doses do I need in my health system or in my state or in my city, and being able to communicate that information in some sort of centralized way to the federal government so that they get what they need. So that's one of the key things. The second is keeping track of who has been vaccinated and what type of vaccine did they get? Did they get the Pfizer vaccine? Did they get the Moderna vaccine? Have they been vaccinated once or have they been vaccinated twice? And there's actually a pretty uh, low tech sort of element to this going on right now, which is right now, if you do qualify for a vaccine, and remember, not everyone qualifies quite yet, then you literally get a, a paper card that says, I got this vaccine. I received it on this date and I received it at this location. 
So that that's kind of one of the things that health systems are relying on, straight up just paper record keeping. Now, obviously, there's also efforts to make that an electronic record, so it's more easy to access and, you know, you don't, like, lose your vaccine card. But that's one of the methods that they're using right now to keep track of that information. So up until now, we've been mainly talking about organizations, hospitals and others, sharing data. But Cy brings up another important group that needs to be able to access and understand this data as well, the public. Once again, here's Minnesota's Commissioner of IT Services, Tarek Tomes, talking about the information he's working to provide. One of the most important categories is the one that's facing the public that helps inform them, when can I go and where can I go? And so it's everything from mobile applications that allow you to see what clinic locations eventually have vaccine inventory that you can go seek out. How is my community, how is my county doing when we track like uh, doses administered per 100,000 people? And so it's everything that's really close to the residents and and citizens uh, within a state that allows them to see in the easiest way possible, some of whom are not very tech savvy maybe. And so that omni-channel ability to communicate broadly uh, that allows you to plan and to see when it might be your turn. And as more doses of vaccine become available, the ability to communicate and the need for communicating that with speed and clarity is gonna be more and more important. You know, Brian, one of the things that strikes me is that we're at this age where there's so much data, so much information right at our fingertips. I can find out, you name it, from the many apps on my phone or websites that I use. And yet, when it comes to the biggest public health crisis in our lifetime, we don't have the information that we need, this very, very crucial information. You know, my county out here in the Bay Area just launched a dashboard which is supposed to tell you how many vaccine doses each provider here has locally and how many have been administered. But a lot of the providers, including mine, are not yet reporting in that data. So what good is a dashboard? And, you know, I don't know when I'm getting a vaccine. I don't know when, more importantly, my parents will be able to get their vaccine. What about you, Brian? I mean, what are you experiencing out there in Brooklyn? Very similar. Uh, I'm just waiting. I have no idea. I mean, I think local governments are doing their best to race along and try to catch up and provide information, but it's it's kind of the Wild West and it reflects, you know, long-term priorities of where we, we have these tech giants that have, you know, applied incredible expertise to delivering social media and advertising and, you know, all these entertainment uh, options for us. But the government moves much more slowly, much more fragmented way, and it's going to take a while to catch up. And in the meantime, we don't have time to wait. We got to we got to move on this. Back at the top of the show, we heard briefly from Dr. Rebecca Weintraub, the physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital and assistant professor at Harvard. Dr. Weintraub is not only somebody who has a lot of expertise in the tech side of electronic medical records and and implementation of systems, but she's on the front lines of the pandemic. She's a vaccinator. She's vaccinating people right now, and she has a really great appreciation for the scope of the challenge that we're facing. 
we are dealing with an acute issue on top of a very chronic, fragmented, decentralized digital health immunization record system. And similar to previous efforts in, in to respond to the pandemic, testing, contact tracing, our state and local officials are beleaguered. Their infrastructure, the soft infrastructure they need is minimal and has not been upgraded for decades. So as we're looking for the flow of data, for example, about testing rates or hospitalization data, and now vaccine administration, it's the same data systems, the same officials we're asking for them to report in a timely fashion with truly outdated software. Operation Warp Speed, obviously, was Trump administration effort, successful on, on the side of helping to incentivize and develop the vaccine. But you're talking about issues with implementation, which are very clear. What can the Biden administration and team do to improve this process as we go forward? I mean, this is a complex, decentralized problem at this point, <laughs> where the question is, what does the federal government do well in the midst of the emergency? Number one is be transparent. Number two is give out timely information. And at this point, the CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services have constructed a national data ecosystem. They created something called the data lake. And states are supposed to have access to this data lake where the data is de-anonymized and they could utilize it for monitoring of and weekly monitoring, for example, um, not only for replenishment of supply, but obviously to understand the deployment across their state borders. And unfortunately, this once again, it's, it's not clear from Operation Warp Speed, how does a state access it? How do regional states, so if you want to understand how your neighbors are doing, access the data lake? And then we're obviously hoping it will eventually be made public so we can support states in their efforts to monitor their progress. I mean, we've seen reports of, of wildly different processes, you know, from different states, which is not necessarily, you know, a criticism of each state. Uh, they're all trying to figure it out. But is the inequity of how the rollout is happening like wildly different from one state to another? You know, is there is there a big scale of how it's being done more efficiently, more fairly over here versus over here? So that is number one reason why we need access to this data lake. So there's 22 data elements per vaccine dose that is placed into the data lake. So that is, an, we have an incomplete answer today, even understanding the range of vaccines that have been both distributed and administered by state. You know, we have the federal government trying to create an infrastructure here. We have state, local governments, you know, in a network of providers, pharmacies, for instance, they all have to be coordinated. Where have we been lagging behind in improving and, you know, implementing technology for this? The records and how we actually manage routine adult immunization has been beleaguered for years. We do not have a complete record of every individual in the U.S. who's received a flu vaccine. So in the midst of this, we've also had to register every vaccinator within the system. So I am a vaccinator at my hospital. I register as a vaccinator. I'm then required to document each dose that I receive. And then that's deployed, de-anonymized into the Massachusetts Immunization Registry. Every 72 hours, the states then need to upload that into the CDC data lake. That's not happening consistently. So the data that we're seeing that the CDC is putting out about doses distributed and doses administered, you can imagine there's lags in the data based on the 64 immunization jurisdictions. 64. That, that's correct. Apologies <laughs> again to the weeds here, but it, I want to explain because actually the data architecture here 
is actually leading to lags in data reporting and then data utility to plan and replenish. So you recently published a piece that was making some recommendations, four recommendations about how we could improve the vaccine rollout and why it's a huge technology challenge. And, you know, some of the the recommendations were, you know, to get a sort of universal kind of passport health information, passport data and standardize and align, you know, the different states and different systems, all of which sounds great and like something we should be doing. But it's it strikes me as kind of like changing the tires on the race car, you know, when we're at the Indianapolis 500. I'm just curious to ask you, like, what are some of the top things that we could do with technology to improve the process as it's underway? I'll first mention that there are recommendations of the infrastructure build we need to ensure immunizations are embedded in your health record for your own personal portability and use as an individual. And then there's data and technology that we need to ensure we're actually mitigating the pandemic. And those are actually different data sets we need. And we need both to happen. You're absolutely right. I mean, this is, we're in a pit crew moment <laughs> where, where we need to continue on and we need to think through what do you need as you enter the next lap of the race. So for speed, the appointment has become the constraint, which I, I think is the utmost importance right now. We also wrote a piece explaining why we think self-attestation is the way to go that you go online or you're in dialogue with a provider and you say, I am eligible for the vaccine because I meet these requirements. And that gets you the appointment. And once that appointment happens, then different states will deploy verifying and making sure you get the second dose with different scheduling software. Regarding the infrastructure and the recommendations um, regarding immunization registries and state and reporting analytics, there's a lot to learn from fintech here. We hmm. did this with credit card companies. And my co-author, Yoram Bornstein, and I have looked into the history of that, its deployment, the heterogeneity of the deployment. And the Europeans were leaders here, where they added the chip to your credit card. The verification happened between the individual consumer and their banking registry. The consumer had to face the delay at the console. But then the payment was verified and the consumer moved on. So there are strong metaphors for other industries of what we can build here to bring portability to your health record and your health status. One of Dr. Weintraub's biggest recommendations is the development of an immunization passport, which I thought was really interesting. She pointed out that in a paper she wrote recently that only something like 60% of adults are registered in a vaccination system. And I have to admit, I have no idea if I'm registered in a vaccination system. I have no idea who's keeping track of my information. I mean, if I go to my local pharmacy and get a flu shot, which I did this fall, I don't know if there's kind of a centralized database that I could tap into or that somebody else could tap into on that. What What about you, Mihal? Yeah, I would say I know more about like what I watched on Netflix for the past six months than what my immunization record is and whether it's portable in, in any way. So uh, there's a, a huge discrepancy there. And the, again, you know, the information that we have at our fingertips as consumers versus as patients. Yeah, well, that really makes a point that we have to reprioritize a little bit here. I mean, it's I in no way want to affect your ability to keep track of what you're watching on Netflix, because that's very important. It is. 
but it is a huge national challenge for us to sync together these systems and provide information for people in a way that respects privacy, but also helps with this public health effort, and especially with a pandemic that's getting worse. Yeah. I mean, we're talking now about, you know, these immunization passports in the future and who knows what innovation we'll see there. In the meantime, we're still dealing with this very immediate problem of how to speed up the process of actually getting the vaccines into the arms of people all over the country with all of these disparate systems. And I have to admit that after learning more about the data logistics and the systems here or the lack of systems here, I have to say that I'm not feeling terribly encouraged. And in fact, it's depressing. So is there a bright spot, a bright note that we can end on here, Brian? Yeah, I think I can give you a little light at the end of the tunnel. Listen to this last exchange from my conversation with Dr. Weintraub. You know, there's maybe more vaccine skepticism than we've ever seen, or at least not for a long time. Can technology be a solution to countering that? Absolutely. I mean, I I believe if the public can see momentum in their communities, in their counties, we're receiving the vaccine, we're improving, our vaccine coverage is improving, we're seeing our ministers, our teachers, our law enforcement staff receive the vaccine, be protected, I think that will generate demand in a hyper-local influencer network model. And that has been studied by many anthropologists previously. How do you counter rumors? You create hyperlocal influencers. And we're seeing that in this early moment. You're, I mean, the massive amount of messaging that people are putting out when they receive their first dose of vaccine, they're excited about it. They're talking about how they're protecting themselves first, but their eagerness to make sure their communities receive it. And I hope we'll be able to amplify that message with technology, with the social media networks that we're participating in. All right, I'll take that. At least we're ending with an example of how technology, and in particular social media, is actually being used for good. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more talk on how tech is reshaping our world. The Brainstorm Podcast is a production of Fortune Media. Our show is written by Megan Arnold and edited by Wyatt Orm and Nicole Vergala. Music is by Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds. Executive producers are Mason Cohn and Megan Arnold. 